Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown, and we're kicking off the new year talking to Forrest Richardson about things to know about safety in OSHA in 2022. So great conversation where he goes over some of those questions. And that overall question is, what should we pay attention to in 2022? So we want to thank our Director of Safety, uh, Forrest Richardson, for joining us and answering these questions. Well, it's a brand new year and hopefully a brand new you. Uh, thanks for joining us for us to going over this topic of things we need to know, regulatory agenda items for 2022 that potentially could be applicable to most employees um, and recent standards, interpretations and things like that. So we can know uh, why are they important and to keep them on the radar. Sure. Uh, OSHA's regulatory process is long and it's generally eight plus years or more, which is kind of, again, going back to some of the appeals process with what we're seeing with vaccine mandates. That's the kind of the quintessential thing that they're arguing about with OSHA's enforcement of this. And it's important to keep current on these topics, uh, especially for safety folks and occupational health and safety, HR as well, because OSHA can and does use these OSHA general, uh, general duty clause to cite alleged violations before the relevant standard is approved, which may be where they kind of go with this. Again, we're going to let the courts and the legal eagles figure it out. But it's an interesting case with what we're watching here, if nothing else. So basically, it, what it sounds like is that OSHA is going to be the one in charge of enforcing it. If the courts go the way that, you know, that the administration wants it to go, it would be OSHA that, that would enforce the hundred, more than a hundred people. Have, there has to be the vaccination under a, basically a safety clause. The main idea is OSHA has a acquired approval process. You know, they send out what's called a notice of proposed rulemaking. It's written into the OSHA Act. So it's, you know, the Congress you know, said, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And they approved it way back in 1970. So whenever they do a standard, they did ergonomics like this as well, is they, they have to kick it out to the industry in that, that phase. There's like seven different phases. We could even do a podcast on that, which is really interesting. But to, to make a long story longer, it's, it takes time to do this process. So when they can't go through that normal vetting proposed rulemaking process, they tend to use the general duty clause, which is the clause that they use when there's something not in black and white to say, hey, this is a recognized hazard and we're going to cite you for it. So again, there's a lot of slips between cup and lip on that process. And I'm recommending to everybody that you know, asked me, just have a sense of calm. Let's just wait and see kind of how things go and uh, you know, keep living your life. OSHA's interpretations are used by risk, occupational health and safety professionals as they provide insight or color to how the OSHA would cite for a specific standard. So you have somebody out there in the field, you know, an employer, and they get cited for something, or they have a condition, a situation, a hazard, and they say, hey, here's what we have here. And in the regulation, it specifically states this. How would you interpret this? Would this be a violation or not? And then OSHA will come back and said, you said this, we said that, this is how we would interpret it. And those are used by occupational health and safety professionals and risk managers to further guide how OSHA would see more than likely see that similar situation across the country or within the industry. And it helps kind of guide how you approach it. It guides, you know, how do you budget for things if we are going to fix this and they're interpreting it, you know, this is kind of it. So there's a lot of pieces to that. So no, generally, OSHA doesn't post the top 10 violations until after the first week of April. 
So we want to remind everybody of that, typically because they need to finalize their fiscal year on September 30th and let all those citations kind of clear. Keep an ear, you know, for if you're listening to this podcast and you're a regular listener, keep an ear out for that coming 2022 around, you know, around April, you know, we'll put another one out, I'm sure. I was going to say forest, forest safety top 10 list. That's difficult to say. Um, I hope they're becoming almost as popular as David Letterman's top 10 list because we certainly like them around here and we will definitely be having you back for that OSHA top 10 list. What are a few current standards as far as enforcement issues, interpretations that will be in effect for 2022? There's a lot. The, regular gen, uh, the regulatory agenda, they do post this, so you can find that on their OSHA webpage as well. And there's more to it, but these are the top three that I saw that kind of would affect most employers across the board. So the number one that, that I saw obviously was the COVID-19 vaccination and testing. They put out an emergency temporary standard on in January of this year. But again, you know, other than ergonomics, the standard proposed many years ago, this is probably one of the top 10 standards affecting employers at large. So the current appeals process, like I said before, and the court decisions that are going through the fifth and the sixth circuit courts, my recommendation, you know, that's just going to tell the tale. Let's, let's let that go. There's, you know, let's see how that works and just keep living our lives and doing the best that we can. Um, the number two one that I saw was, really interesting. And they've been talking about this for a while. And this came out around October uh, 27th of 2021 is a heat injury and illness prevention in outdoor and indoor work settings. Now, prior to that, you do have in the construction industry and the agricultural industry. And I believe in the maritime, you have specific heat injury prevention standards in black and white. You know, you you get a new employee, you got to kind of work hard them into that temperature. There's a certain process that you have to have to do. And OSHA is initiating that that notice of proposed rulemaking process that we briefly mentioned before to protect indoor and outdoor workers as well from heat-related injuries. So they're going to put out what they call an ANPRM. That's what the industry knows that uh, as for. You know, it's a notice of proposed rulemaking. And it basically provides the overview of the problems of heat stress in the workplace, what we know about it to this day. And they're going to kick that, they're kicking that out to employers to say, what do you think about it? Similar to what they did for ergonomics. So that'll be an interesting one to keep your eye on because there's a lot of general industry employers that have hot workplaces inside. And this may be something they need to keep on their radar from a regulatory standpoint. Well, yeah, I mean, just heat illness is so intriguing and and frightening even because it can just come out of nowhere and where you're feeling fine one minute and literally within a couple of minutes, your symptoms just hit you like a ton of bricks. So that's that's great. That's something that they're trying to combat and focus on. And just real brief, uh, at mentioned uh, for the heat injury illness one, uh, employers are supposed to submit comments on or before December 27th, 2021. So as you're going into the back stretch of this, you can kind of keep an eye on that on your calendar. So what comes in at number three? Um, this was an OSHA letter of interpretation that came out around uh, 6921, and it was a clarification of the HAZWAFR standard to employees in cl- engaged in the cleanup of blood from crimes or trauma incidents. So I know crimes kind of comes first, and a lot of employers might think, you know, well, other than violence in the workplace, we don't really have a whole lot of risk of crimes going on. But trauma incidents. So, you know, this is your first responders potentially. And so what they had said was, you know, has Whopper, you know, hazardous waste operations 
typically this is going to be for your chemical people that are responding to chemical incidents, but it also goes into blood and other things that they could be infected by. And so employers were like, okay, well, if I have folks that are, let's take your EMTs and your EMS guys, you know, those, those, those kinds of guys, firefighters and, you know, your higher end chemical response folks. Do they have to have Haswopper training, which can be eight, 24, 40 hours of training, both on and off site? And there's a whole, I mean, that's a deep standard there in and of itself. Or do I just follow the OSHA hazard communication standard, you know, and bloodborne pathogens and doing that kind of stuff? So OSHA basically said, look, you know, from a crime standpoint, there's nothing active going on. You know, the whole scene is shut down and they're just cleaning, cleaning it up essentially you're going to follow the OSHA hazard communication standard and bloodborne pathogens and that kind of stuff, which is what most of us are doing anyway. So that really tells employers that, okay, I don't have this eight hour and this 24 hour and this 40 hour and this whole program I've got to put together. It lets people know, okay, well, if it's a trauma incident and everything's done and you, your first responders are trained on how to properly clean up the blood on the floor and put it in a bloodborne pathogens you know, biohazardous waste bag and do the things right, well, then you're already doing that anyway. That's a big one. That's a big load off a lot of folks' mind. Forrest, we really want to thank you for helping us kick off 2022 on a good foot with OSHA and, and having nice three things list to look out for and be mindful of this year. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again and happy new year, everyone. Thanks and happy new year to you. Take care. We were so thankful to have Forrest Richardson back again to talk to us about some things that we should know about safety in OSHA in 2022. It's always great to kind of refresh that mind. Everybody gets a new mindset and we can focus on a couple of the, or a few, I guess I should say, of the top three OSHA regulatory agenda items. So thanks to Forrest and thank you to you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To get started preventing injuries, visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us at podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. And remember, prevention improves lives. Mm-hmm.